Colossians, written at a place called, not Prattville, not Deetsville, not Eclectic, Colossi. Yeah, okay, hello. Uh, Ephesians was written at Ephesus. <laughs> I got some work to do. Okay, Colossi. So he's here at Colossi. There's these four books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. They all kind of go together. They're short epistles. They're power-packed books from the Apostle Paul. I remember when I was a first believer, I said, how do you find those books? And they said, General Electric Power Company. And to this day, that's how I find them in my mind. I go, Galatians, Ephesians, oh, okay. And then my friend told me this. He goes, go eat popcorn. So whatever works for you, okay? Those four books, action-packed. We're walking through them this morning. We're in the book of Colossians in an abbreviated study because of compassion focus today. So open your Bibles to Colossians, and I'm going to try to just kind of highlight some of the passages and the parts of the four, the four chapters that are found there. But as you're turning to Colossians today, there is, there's this book called The Bible According to Children. And this morning we've seen what children would say on screen, some very affirming. Uh, we've had some tears in the house. We're passing clinics. Okay, but listen to this. The little boy said, you know, Lot's wife, she was a pillar of salt by day, but she was a ball of fire by night. I thought, well, that, that's pretty good. Okay. I like this one. The little, boy, little girl said, hey, the seventh commandment, thou shall not admit adultery. I think she got it wrong, okay? <laughs> I think. Here's a little boy, uh, he, he'd been reading, hearing about Solomon and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and these great things that he's penned, and he says, Solomon said he had th uh, 300 wives and 700 porcupines. That must have been tough to go home, okay. But, you know, what's a concubine to a little boy? And then that passage in Joshua where Joshua told uh, the son to be still, and it obeyed. So he says, hey, he told the son to be still. You know, and his mom says, I wish you would do that one. And then I like this one. The little girl, she'd heard about marriage and all this. She goes, okay, I understand it now. Christians are only to have one spouse, and they call that monotony. <laughs> the gospel according to kids. Now, as cute as that is, it's not so cute when we don't get the word of God right. Bruce admonished us and challenged us to be people of the book, of the Word, to begin to study. My favorite shot is Bruce was declaring his faith. And he has a big hand, was his hand with his wedding band moving across the Holy Scriptures. And did you notice what I noticed? Did you see all the pen marks in the boxes? Because I've looked at Bruce's Bible. He loves to study the Word. So my prayer to this whole New Testament series for 2011 is that we are becoming people of the Word, and we're reading, and we're studying, and we're obeying. And the body said, I mean, it's, it's essential. If all you do is just wait for me to kind of give you some new truth or new nugget, or you get a healing, or you get a worship song, that's well and good, but it's not enough. So God wants us to get more as we go through. Now, here it is, the book of Colossians. William Barclay, the great commentator from a long time ago said it is not until a man finds his faith opposed and attacked that he really begins to think about the implications of his faith it is not until the church is confronted with some dangerous heresy that she begins to realize the riches and the wonder of orthodoxy let me just break it down because a lot of people don't understand what, what is orthodox what is orthodoxy write it down 
Orthodoxy is right belief, right doctrine. When we say, if you look at the front of our worship guide, it says we're a part of the Willow Creek Association, and we have an orthodox faith. It means we have right beliefs, right doctrines based on the Word of God. And, and William Barclay said, look, until you know that, until you begin to study that, and you combat that against false teachings, apostles, prophets, apostasy, heretics, man, you're in trouble. So you want to, and that's what happened. He was here in Colossae, and they had all these things going on, all these different, it was a, a melting pot kind of region. And it was a tri-state, tri-county area that came together, Heropolis, Laodicea, Colossae, this tri-city region all came together. And Colossae is really not a very big town, not near as big as Ephesus, but it's a, you know, it's a town that's significant. We, we get a book from there, and it's 100 miles east of Ephesus. It's a, it's, a, it's a book here, though. It's a melting pot of religion, Greek mythology, Gnosticism, Judaism, Christianity. It's got all these things. And here's the problem. If you miss everything I said today, hear this. It was like Jesus Christ is okay, but it's really Jesus Christ plus some other atoms. It's no different with cults today. Jesus is a Messiah, a prophet, a teacher, but Jesus plus something. Let me tell you, friend, it is Jesus plus nothing. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. So it's Jesus Christ. If anybody says, oh, we're okay with that Jesus thing, but we want to give you added revelation and truth and mystic teachings, run. Defend your faith. Talk about, man, hey, there was a book in the Bible and called Colossians, and it was written to people like you. Uh, possibly, the profile is, it was probably the first uh, epistle, the first uh, prison letter of Paul, because he was there a lot. Philemon, Onesimus, all these great characters found themselves there at Colossae at the time. And it was written to encourage, to build up a group of believers, a band of believers, because, as I said, they were falling for lots of things, and they were, they were buying into the the new stuff of the day or the religion or some uh, uh, ancient traditions or uh, rituals of the past. And he's like, no, that can't be. So the overview is, Paul would say, Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord of creation. He's Lord of the church. And he's the Lord of ministry. But Jesus, he is Lord. That's really kind of chapter one. Chapter two, he's the Lord of our walk. He's the Lord of our salvation. He's the Lord of our growth, but he really is Lord. Chapter 3, it's about our life, our mind, our body, our attitude, our actions. And Paul begins to unpack that to the church here at Colossae. And then he goes to chapter 4, he goes, now it's love for the outsiders, for those that haven't come into the faith of Jesus, it's for them. But it is also for those inside the house of faith, and that's who Colossians is for. So whether you've been a believer, a Christ follower for a lot of years, it's for you. And if you're one that doesn't buy into the propagations, the proclamation of the gospel yet, it's for you because it begins to draw us and show us. In Colossians chapter 2, I want you to look there with me. Colossians chapter 2, I want you to look at uh, verse uh, 9. Look there at Colossians 2. In, in verse 9, he says this, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and every authority. 
the, the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of the deity dwells in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is supreme. He is preeminent. He is over his church. He's the over your life. And, and Paul's just trying to really give this, this hard-packed truth. And, and if you'll turn back, just we're going to be uh, in and out of this. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, it, it has come to you all over the world. This gospel is now bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. That's one of the deals for the gospel is that we don't just hear it but we begin to believe and begin to act and we begin to grow and we begin to get changed back and out of that a result is fruit is born out of us through us through the power of the holy spirit and people see christ being formed in us because the godhead christ the son of glory dwells in us but but the church at Colossae is a mess because they got jesus plus whatever and you're saying you're back to that. Friend, i got to tell you, if, if the people understood this today, we wouldn't have cults that are thriving around the globe this morning because they're going, well, I'm okay with Jesus. But do we need something else? Do we need a modern-day leader, prophet? And I'd go, no. We've got Jesus. Every time I say that name, Jesus, it steals and it calms the demons. It has authority Yesterday, I saw a lot of the devastation from a different point of view than I'd seen Thursday. And we connected with some friends up at the lake, and I rode across a body of water that I've been across for, since I was 12 years old. And I looked over, and I saw devastation unspeakable. It looked like Iraq. It looked like a war zone. And across that big mammoth, Lake Martin, I turned my head left, and to the left and to the right, it was a beautiful thicket of pine trees like it always is. And right in the middle, there was devastation that looked just like the devastation here. And all I thought was, God is in control. He is Lord of all. And that tornado hit there, and it jumped across that huge body of water and took everything in its path, and it got again. And as we rode the other day, and we went into the trailer park where couple of folks that lost their lives from here to tuscaloosa to coleman to birmingham reports continue to come in and the goodness of god goes over and over how god spared people amen but he's god and i, I gotta get to colossians because i'm just i'm so you, you see that but there's things slipping in just write these in these are not in your notes but i think this is good truth you need to hear they were searching for secrets that's the gnostics they they wanted this man-made deal they uh, they wanted spiritual enlightenment, not according to the Holy Spirit, but they wanted enlightenment. The second thing was they wanted to go to gurus, to spiritual leaders and masters that would do them no good, so they wanted to run to them. Then third thing, they wanted to channel truth through a medium called, look at chapter 2, turn to verse 18. See if this speaks to you. And he, wait a minute, I'm in the wrong chapter. That would, I knew that wasn't going to sound right. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility in the worship of, worship of, worship of, I want to make sure you get your Bible and you're reading of angels disqualify you from the prize. Can, can I tell you, do we live in an angel-phobic society or what? I, I started doing a little research on this. Angel magazines, ask an angel a question, askanangel.org. 
I, I got a little scared when I typed some of this stuff in because I, 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 don't, I don't want them to start sending me reports. But there's all these spiritual people that want to say, you're angel, entertain this, embrace that. Let's embrace Jesus, okay? So they were searching, they were channeling that. The fourth thing, they were blending beliefs together, Jewish, Christian, mysticism, whatever. The fifth thing, they sought spiritual growth through the discipline of the body. They thought that gave growth. Six, they sought enlightenment from some mystical thing, mystical experience. Seven, they sought spiritual truth from the stars. It was astrology, the alignment, horoscopes, whatever. Does it sound kind of like 2011 to you? And in verse 16, new moon celebrations and all those things. And then the last thing, they were man-made traditions and roles, rules from man. They were seeking uh, some kind of truth, some kind of revelation from things that had happened in the past, and it wasn't good. But then Paul begins to, to break it down here. As you go through these four chapters, I want to give you a quick outline. You're ready to write this in. Number one, there's a doctrine. Christ's preeminence is declared in ch chapter 1. Jesus Christ is supreme. He is Lord. He is to be declared over all matter, over all people, over all creation. It's the doctrine of preeminence, and you have to have preeminent Christ in your life if he is Lord. The second thing, is uh, the, Roman number 2, is danger. The preeminence of Christ is now defended as you go through chapter 2. Because Paul's got these people, man, they're, they're falling for anything and everything, and they're just adding on stuff. And the third thing is duty. Christ's preeminence is now demonstrated, emulated, lived out among the people of faith. And that's why it gives us such passages. As you do your work, work as unto the Lord, not unto men. I call it the work ethic passage. It's a passage badly needed in the body of Christ. I talked to a guy the other day. And I asked him, he says, oh, that's a fine person, he says, but he's really on the lazy side. And i got to tell you, church, hear this, young person, old person, wherever you are, if you work, if you receive a paycheck, work diligently unto the Lord and bless the name of Jesus. Amen? Because let me tell you, right now, the world's going, I don't know about some of you Christians, a little lazy, not working very hard. And man, and Paul, so he's, he's trying to unpack it. But I want you to look right there in the middle of your outline, the key theme. Jesus Christ, you can guess it, he's preeminent he's sinner he's lord orientate your life around christ just focus on him follow him look at colossians 1 18 and he is the head of the body of the church he's the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy you know there's a lot of things that want to be supreme in your life girls guys uh, athletics, cars, money, recreation, just name it. I mean, how many of y'all fight stuff being first in your life besides me? Anybody else fight stuff? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that evolve for your kind of like, I want to be first, I want to be first, I'm first. And you're saying, it really says that? Well, not in that voice, I was making a point. But the thing is, we attack it like it's the most important thing in our life. And he says here, I'm, so Paul is correcting a defective view of the people um, let me just say this to us quickly. As believers, I don't have time to go through this, but I want you to write down and think about it. We need to develop critical thinking skills as believers of Jesus Christ. So much of the Christian community acts like it's committed intellectual suicide, and it's everything but that. We need to be thinkers of the faith. That's why it's fun to read these great minds of the faith. 
And God wants to stretch. Because Colossian heresy, it's coming. Like, the heresy is spirit is good, matter is evil. The spirit is good, but matter is evil. And they would give excuses. Paul's answer is, God created heaven and earth and created all for his glory. Uh, They would go through all these, like, there's nothing wrong with immorality, said the heretics. And the heresy of that day. But then, and Paul, he says, get rid of sin, evil, because you've chosen God, and you've chosen to live as a representative of Jesus Christ. So there's all this uh, conflict of information, of of truth, or false truth that's being propagated to the people, and if you don't know what it is, then then you miss it. So let's move down to the next section. I'm going to come back to chapter 1 now. Colossians 1 is the deeper life. In chapter 1, verse 3 and 6, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ, the faith that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you all over the world. This gospel is doing what? Bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and you understood God's grace and its truth. And all through chapter 1, he's trying to call these believers at Colossae Go deep in Jesus. Be rooted in your faith, as he'll say in another chapter. Grow in the the likeness of Jesus Christ. uh, Find your hope in him. You've escaped hell. You've escaped sin through the power of Christ. Make him your living hope. And then in in chapter, um, let's look on down here. There's just so much to unpack here. Look at verse 28. We proclaim him, him is Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. One translation says, we want to present people complete in Christ. Christ is fullness. We, we are full in him. He, he's the way out. We, our responsibility, listen to this, our responsibility as believers is to defend but to proclaim Jesus Christ is the way to the Father. Our responsibility is to share our faith. You know, whatever it might be. But yet, all these distractions and all these things goes in verse 15, chapter 1. He's God in the flesh. He's creator, sustainer, head, reconciler, brings alienation to those that are alienated. And then he goes, and I am the hope of glory. I mean, the, man, Paul just writes this brilliant book. He's just saying, man, this is what it means to follow Jesus. It means he's preeminent. It means he's Lord. It means admonish. Let me write, get to write down by the word admonish. Admonish means you bring warning. You bring warning. Sometimes in our world today, we're maybe not battling the heresy of that day, but do any of you think we need to sound a warning to people? Do you ever hear goofy stuff, goofy theology? I hear it all the time. And if you know God's Word and you know Him and you're growing and you're studying and you're becoming conformed to the image of Christ, you begin to say, that's not true. I don't want to fight you, but I want to show you the error of your way. I want to show you what Christ says. So he goes on, and then, he, and then Paul would say this morning, I want you to, to make converts. I want you to win the loss, but I want you to hear this. This is critical. I want you to make converts, and that's critical. But the most important thing in the Great Commission doesn't say make converts. It says what? Go make disciples. So my question is this. How many disciples do I have here this morning? How many disciples are we making in Jesus' name? Disciple is one that's becoming like Jesus. They're, they're following Christ. They're, they're going after him. In Mark 8, 34 and 35, he says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Then, man, that's, that's, that's hard. That's impossible. But it's possible through Christ. And God says, follow me. So his power, Colossians 2, let's look at this. So he says, a deeper life, and then he goes to a higher life. 
there's a higher life I want you to have. I want you to have this full life in chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. He lives in you. You live in him, rooted and built up in the faith, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and now overflowing with thankfulness. That's one of my favorite passages in Colossians. Being built up, rooted deeply. How many of you have been working in the yard this spring? Hold your hand up. Anybody been working in the yard? Okay, the rest of you need to work in the yard. Okay. You're working in the yard. You're in a flower bed, and you're out there. Have you ever got this big, honking, huge root system, and you're out there, man, you're tearing up, you're pulling on, and I don't have a truck. Oh, sometimes I want a truck. I just need to call y'all. Hey, Mark, I saw you coming in and go, you got one of them big old trucks, man. I just need to call you. Because every once in a while, I'll see a neighbor, and man, they have one of them big four-by-four tired trucks, and they have a chain. And they pull that sucker out like a glory. I mean, you say, man, you get excited about weird stuff, but it's just so cool to see a yard transformed by a truck. But, but, you know, I, I just can't, you know, and I'm out there, you know, digging like, man, I, like I told Donna, I said, you know, our, our bushes are getting big, we keep them all trimmed, but I said, they just get so thick after years, it's 18 years now, I said, we kind of need to pull those out and start over, like the boy ain't pulling them out though, you know what I'm saying, David? The boy needs a truck. I'm, I'm fine here for a truck sometime, okay? Just somebody, all right, somebody help the brother. All right, but he says here, as a Christian, I want you to be rooted deep. When men, they got to get trucks and, and caravans to pull you out, man, because you're so rooted in Jesus. You say, man, they could just blow on me, and you'd fall over. There's no depth. So he says, grow deep, and he says, here, there's a higher calling. Uh, in verse 13 and 15, oh, my goodness, I knew, man. We, all right, look at it. Look at verse 13. It says, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave your sins. He counseled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us. He took it, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. And he triumphed over them by the cross. And let me tell you, that passage, I don't have time to preach it right now, but the Passover wall, the red wall, when you walked from the lobby, the gathering space, into this living room called the sanctuary, you saw a cross and it had all these nails and that was the day I preached that message, and people nail their sins to the cross. And that's what God does for you in Jesus Christ. He nails your sins to the cross, and Jesus says, and I am triumphant over your sin. It's a higher calling for believers. And then look at the Colossians 3. Now he says, hey, there's an inner life. I want to develop your inner life. So in chapter 3, verse 12 and 14, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion how many of you pray that? Boy, I have to a lot. Compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And he just goes on and on. He's like, man, you need to do this. So here's what I want to say to us. How's your inner life? How's your soul? Is it growing? Is it becoming like Christ? Is the inner life taking root? Is it taking shape? Is, is Christ doing something beautiful in you? From the inside, people see Christ. And then 3.23 there in that third chapter is the work ethic I talked about. But look at Colossians 4. It's the outward life. He says, now on the outside, Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace seasoned with salt that you may now know how to answer so we have a huge responsibility, a huge privilege, a high and holy honor to call ourselves Christ followers of the Most High God. And how we live is how the outside world sees 
that's a woman, that's a man, that's a boy, that's a girl of faith. Or they go, man, I'm turned off by that. And then I just want you to look at Colossians chapter 1. Let's flip back to Colossians 1, verses uh, 9 through 12. I, I, I messed up here. It's supposed to be called one powerful prayer, and you're thinking it goes powerful. Write down the word powerful prayer, Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 12. This is something Bruce and I've been doing, hadn't it, Bruce? We love to pray the scripture for one another, and we're encouraging other men to do that. So when you do not know what to pray, pray this book, amen? And let me tell you, Colossians 1, 9 through 12, because we've got to get to the compassion thing. I want you to read this. I want you to highlight it. I want you to draw a box around it. I want you to begin to unpack this and say, God, make this. Lord, give me spiritual wisdom and knowledge. And Lord, fill me with it. And just begin to study this. I'll come back one day and just break this down. It is, it is, is powerful prayer for the season, for the one that wants to grow in Christ, that wants to grow in the knowledge of Christ, wants to be filled with the knowledge of Christ, and they want to please him. The psalmist says, oh Lord, may my meditations be pleasing in your sight that's the goal of a christ follower god fill us with joy a great prayer and he just he just moves down through and then he goes in there now you share in an inheritance and it's a glorious inheritance it's an eternal life hidden in god in christ now let the light shine out of the darkness that's the thing about how you live your life to outsiders they see christ in us and they're drawn to the light. It's not to us. Redemption, we're, we're um, here's what redemption is. Redemption is when you and I get bought back from captivity. We've been a slave to sin. We're captive to sin. The Holy Spirit illuminates our need for a Savior. He convicts us of sin. We're regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Christ comes in. The Spirit seals us. We become a child of God, born again, whatever you want to call it, saved, rescued, delivered, and your life begins anew. And then you grow, and you go, man, this is my high calling. This is my deeper life, is to follow Jesus. This morning, I could preach for another 40 minutes on this, and I'm not, because I want to get to what I want to do with you today. But I just wanted to get you at least starting to think about Colossians and read this powerful book from the Apostle Paul. Right now, I have uh, prayed about this ever since we started Christ Community Church. And uh, I didn't do it. We had a young lady that used to be in our church that worked for Compassion. She used to encourage your pastor to do it. And I just could never pull the trigger. I wanted to, and I believed in it. And Don and I have done it for years, and our kids sponsor kids. But I thought, man, man, we're struggling financially as a church. I just don't know if we can do it. Well, I went to Kenya, as you know, in November. And we got a new little boy, Collins. He's a huge part of our family. I pray for him with great fervency. And when I was in Nairobi, God told me something. He said, Keith Waldrop, you have so many luxuries and so many riches, and you're a pastor of the gospel. He says, but I want you to be an advocate for the poor the rest of your days. So this year, it was a no-brainer. I had to say yes to the Lord. In the last four months, we've had two good financial months, and we've had two stinky months, okay? But all in all, 2011 has been pretty good. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You can make that better if you would bring yours too, okay? But I just knew we had to rescue children today in Jesus. So your pastor's being obedient to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Today, I'm just asking you to be obedient to God. I've been talking about it. I've been writing about it for six, eight weeks. You've known today was coming. Today's Mother's Day. I want you to see some footage uh, that they shot when we were in Nairobi, and I'll come back. 
Compassion International. I had the honor of traveling from village community to community all over Kenya, Nairobi. You saw your pastor leaking on stage. Uh, I was in a bus that morning riding to Mathari. And uh, I knew it was a day I was going to meet our sponsor child. So it was really a holy day. About two miles before I got there, the stench was pretty bad. I got about three blocks from the Endora Baptist Church, and I saw pigs running rampant in the streets. I saw me garbage dumps, and I saw people digging through it, getting food. And I thought, man, today, Don and I get to make a difference in the life of one little boy. And then I met him, and we sponsored him, and the sponsorship began. Andy Stanley has a line that I, w- I want you to fill this blank in. It says, do for one what you would like to do for all. My heart is, I'd love to sponsor every kid in Mathori. I just don't have the revenue. But to Collins, Don and I are doing for the one what we want to do for the many. So today, as a rich Western church in Montgomery, Alabama, I'm making a plea for a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that will respond in faith and obedience to Christ. I didn't muster up and fake these tears. They're real because I love that little boy and I love that community and I'm just doing what my father told me. So uh, children suffer all over the world. We have 50 packets today. They have no voice. They have no money. They have no influence. But they have us. Hygiene training, supplemental food, if needed education, shots, the gospel. That all happens with your $38. It's just it's amazing. I was talking to Hannah. We rode to church this morning. She's over with our kids right now, loving your kids. She has a little girl named Jocelyn in Guatemala that she prays for and supports every month. As a college student, $38 a month, she supports a little Jocelyn every month. So uh, here's my plea today. Your sponsorship can change a life now. And it begins with you and it begins with me. And eternities are affected because of that. So uh, I, I could go on and on. I'm just going to challenge you, church, to be the church and do what Jesus calls you to do. There's my little picture of uh, Collins. You saw him in his little pink Barbie outfit. Next time I'm going, we're getting rid of the pink, okay? <laughs> gave him a new soccer ball, gave him a bunch of stuff, but my boy ain't going to wear pink, okay? <laughs> it's all right. He don't really give a rip because it was clean. So today, I've got some friends that are going to work the back tables. Y- y'all move in place. Heidi, I know you're already there. Eric, you and Julia, y'all work that table. Um, there's a song right now. Is it Carrie Job? Be Still? It's called Be Still. I'm going to turn. No, no, you got to leave the lights up. Leave the lights up. I don't want y'all to go, I can't see it. Okay. There's two tables. There's 50 kids, 25 per table. I'm going to ask you to sit still for maybe a minute or two at least. If you just want to hurry, run out of here, run. 
But if you want to go by one of these tables and pick up and sponsor one of these kids, you'll be blessed. Today's our first Compassion Sunday ever in the history of Christ Community Church. I hope God gets a lot of glory today. It's all that really matters. Let's give our Father glory. Lord, this morning, you're an awesome God. The church of Colossae, the church of Mathari, and the church at Montgomery, we all want to make a difference. And Father, I thank you for these beautiful men and women and teenagers and boys and girls of faith. And Father, impact our hearts. May we adopt one, two, three, or whatever, God. I know I already had a family that says, I think they're going to adopt three today or sponsor God. I don't know what you're going to do, but Holy Spirit, I ask you to move powerfully right now in this place and have your way. Thank you for Carrie Job now as she sings to us in Jesus' name. Amen.